Hello, everyone, and welcome into another installment here of the Minnesota Sports Podcast on the 25th of October, diving into all the news in Minnesota sports here for the day and over the weekend because it is a Monday. How's it going? I'm CJ Baumgartner, joined in by Ian Rivers. Ian, how's it going? Good, CJ. How's it going with you? You know, it's going good. We uh, didn't get to a podcast last Friday, and uh, now we're making it up for it by uh, bringing you on board. So double the uh, double the takes today. Sounds good. All right. So diving in here, let's uh, dive in to a segment that uh, we do here on the Minnesota Sports Podcast on every uh, Monday following some NFL action. And it's a segment that we call Stock Up, Stock Down. And we uh, just talk about... Uh, the Minnesota uh, Minnesota Vikings, excuse me, related uh, kind of stock up, stock down, what you're feeling good about, what you're not feeling so good about. Ian, since you are the guest, we will uh, give you the floor right away. What's your uh, either stock up or stock down? Well, my first thing for stock up was um, it's got to be the Vikings' playoff chances. And I'm pretty sure I, I did the opposite the last time I was on. Um, but looking through the NFC right now, I don't see a lot of competition. It's very top-heavy. The top teams in the conference are very good. you got Arizona up there, Tampa, uh, the Rams, uh, the Green Bay Packers. The, all those teams up at the top of the NFC look really good. Uh, Dallas is even – I would include Dallas in that as well. Uh, but then coming down to the last couple of wild-card spots, the Vikings currently sit in the seventh spot. Um, and, you know, we're a couple – questionable losses that we probably should have won for multiple reasons away from being right up there with green bay uh we might be thinking about this this season a lot different but you know looking at the bottom of the nfc yeah we've got a tough slate of games coming up dallas uh baltimore la chargers packers um but then you know i just i think it kind of opens up actually i was looking at it earlier like a week ago and i was thinking oh 49ers they're tough it didn't look all that tough last night against the Colts. Now, granted, there was a lot of bad weather. Then we've got the Lions. Pittsburgh, I'm not sold on them. Chicago looked absolutely awful. So I, if we can get through this this slate of games and if we can steal one of these games against one of those four teams, um, I think we're in a decent spot to make another late-season push towards the playoffs, kind of like last season, but hopefully with more success. Yeah, and you know one thing about uh, you actually stole my first stock up, so that's good that we we're on the same page here. Uh, because I like you said, I don't think the Bears are going anywhere. I think that a they have a rookie quarterback, so they were never really going to go anywhere. But I think it also proves that Matt Nagy is probably coaching his final uh, handful of games with the Bears. But also the NFC outside of those top teams that you mentioned is just there's just a huge drop off in the top tier of teams that is the Cowboys, Cardinals, Rams, Packers, and uh, and uh, Buccaneers. So outside of those teams, there's a huge disparity in the rest of the league. Because think about it this way. The Vikings right now are have the same record. We consider the Vikings playoff hopefuls. They have the same record right now as the Atlanta Falcons. And who would have thought that the Falcons would be fringe playoff contenders a third of the way into the season? Exactly. That's what I was thinking, too. You know, you're looking at it, and if, if the two strongest teams look like the, the Vikings and the Falcons to get that um, to get that spot. Yeah, I mean, that's that's uh, it's a lot of two sports cities that are pretty miserable that are going to have to battle out to see who's more miserable. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I mean, 
we we can we can hang with Atlanta. Atlanta's you know they might be three and three or three and four, whatever they are. No, they didn't have a buy in, so they're three and four, I believe. Um, but if, if it comes down to us in Atlanta, I like our chances. They play in a little bit tougher. Well, I guess the division isn't that much tougher because they have the one team at the top that's really tough, um, and then you know Carolina and New Orleans kind of fell off. They don't look the same um, as they uh, as they have. I would I would garner to say though that Atlanta's using up all of their sports luck because the Braves somehow got into the World Series. So I think I like our chances actually. That's a good point. Maybe we do have an advantage there. All right, so I'm gonna give you a chance to do a stock down here. Stock down. You know, it's tough to think about these because we haven't. You, you can't look at any one specific thing on the Vikings on a buy and necessarily say that uh, you know nothing changed really. Um, but I would have to go. I, I would have to go with the secondary man. I mean, Patrick Peterson. I think it came out after. I believe it was after our last podcast that I came on for Patrick Peterson. I think he went to IR, right? Yeah, short term IR. Yeah, he's going to miss at least the three games. And if you look at the four quarterbacks in our next four games, um, that's that's not a fun slate of quarterbacks to have to play without probably maybe the best defensive back, or not defensive back, um, but a corner on the team. Um, that's it's definitely not something you want to do when you're facing Dak, Lamar, and Herbert, for sure. And then maybe, if he misses more time, Rodgers. So, not ideal. Um, the defense is going to have to step up. We're going to have to game plan. Hopefully Zimmer can come up with a game plan to, to frustrate these quarterbacks early, and uh, we can just put the ball in the running back's hands and hopefully milk as much clock as possible because those offenses are explosive. And we're going to have to keep them off the field. Yeah, and another thing, too, is that's just the thing. is Again, we talk about the disparity in playoff teams, but how about the disparity between, I mean, Patrick Peterson, I thought early in the season kind of looked like he was a step behind, but sort of got his footing, I think, in the Vikings' defense. Maybe he was just kind of learning how to adjust to Zimmer's defense or whatever the case may be. He did start to play well over the last uh, couple weeks before going down after Carolina. And, of course, Vikings' luck, and it also just plays into the fact that Peterson is, you know, in his 30s now. This is the first game that Patrick Peterson is ever going to miss in his career this Sunday, which is incredible and one of the reasons probably why Zimmer liked him was the durability they're not getting that instead they're going to get uh Bashad Breland who has been playing not great and thinks that it's just the fans that are out to get him and Cam Dantzler who Mike Zimmer will firmly keep in his doghouse so I I don't know where you go from here there's really nobody you can trade for you're kind of just stuck yeah that's that's kind of the unfortunate thing is there's not a lot of corners out there right now that you're looking at that you're like, well, I mean, this guy's in a – you could probably always find something. I'm not sure where to start with that, but, um, you know, you could always try to find something. Um, but it, it does look a little bit bleak, especially when we would have to do it really soon here um, because, A, I believe the trade deadline in the NFL is coming up shortly. Um, and, B, like I said, we have a lot of tough quarterbacks – coming up that we're going to have to shut down. Yeah, and even if you trade for a corner, you're not going to be able to just shoehorn him in your offense like you are a defensive lineman where it's just go rush the quarterback or go clog up a, a rushing lane. It's, okay, know the coverage, know the assignment, know the receiver, you know, play well in our defense. you got to know, you know, you got to communicate well in a zone who's coming over top. you got to know that with your safeties. 
all that kind of stuff. So even just injecting, like trading for Vernon Hargraves or something from Houston, doesn't necessarily fix the issue. It just because that you know it's it's going to probably take till you get out of that stretch. But uh, for my stock down, we talked about the Vikings playoff hopes. My stock down is going to be the Vikings NFC North hopes. So I'm not really breaking any uh, news, but the Packers lead on the division is probably too big for the Vikings to catch. They sit at what five and one right now on the season, six and one. Yeah. So they are, they're sitting really well at this point in the season. And I know that they got a little bit rougher schedule kind of towards the middle part, but even they still have some easy games. I think they still have to play Detroit one more time. They have to play Chicago one more time. They'll probably split with us. So there's already three more wins you tack onto their plate. I mean, I, I think that the Packers are going to win the division as much as it pains me to say it. Now, I don't know have if they'll get a one or two seed. Um, I mean, the one seed is the only one that gets the first round by anymore, so that's the uh, all-important one. But I think the Vikings' chances of catching the Packers is very slim, unless the Vikings can go through this stretch and win three out of five games and then just have a murderer's row down the stretch where they start rattling off wins. But even then, it's going to be very, very tough, almost impossible, even only a third of the way into the season to catch the Packers at this point. They're running away with it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, the lead at this point is, is like three games, two and a half games, whatever it is. Um, and, and with the Vikings scheduled these next four weeks, um, I, I find it hard to draw up a scenario where we come out of these weeks anything better than four and six. Now, I'm, I'm optimistic about the, the Dallas game and the, the Chargers game, obviously, as a Chargers fan, I don't want to say that, but the Chargers run defense can't stop anybody. And the Vikings have a pretty good running game with uh, Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison. So it gives us hope in those two games. And then the Packers game, I mean, we're it's a divisional game. You play the Packers, anything can happen. Um, so it's not like we couldn't split and go 2-2 two and two in those games, but you would have to go at least 2-2 two and two if you had any chance against the Packers in terms of winning the division. And then you'd have to rattle off wins against every other team that you're supposed to beat, like the Niners, Lions, Steelers, Bears, um, all those teams down the stretch. Yeah, and the Vikings I just don't think are, you know, maybe previous Vikings teams you give them a better edge, but I think this Vikings team has constructed – you know, I think that the offense has the capability of doing it. I think the defense is still kind of far behind, and that's assuming that nobody gets hurt and Dalvin Cook stays healthy. Uh, I just don't trust that they're going to win all of the games that we expect them to win. I think they'll win most of the ones that we expect them to win, but there's just not a level of trust, and that's why there's not even a level of trust over the next, you know, four games that they can go 2-2, two and two, which probably would be a good thing for this team. But even then, that still sets you so far back from the Packers. So, all right, let's get some positivity going. Give me a stock up. Stock up, I would have to go with uh, Kirk Cousins. Now, it's, again, bye week. No, we didn't get to watch anybody play. But Kirk, we got to watch Justin Fields play. And we got to watch Jared Goff play yesterday. And both of them looked absolutely atrocious. Um, Jared Goff, he's a nice guy. But going from Sean McVay to Detroit, it didn't help him. Um, And he's looked absolutely atrocious in that Lions offense. I mean, he had the one pass to Swift yesterday, uh, and then from there, he did not do a thing. And if it wasn't for Dan Campbell's, um, I guess... Uh, Going for kneecaps. Yeah, yeah, gutsiness. Um, 
they wouldn't have even been in that game for as long as they were, which was almost up until the end. I mean, they were in that game. Until Goff threw a back-breaking interception. Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, And so I think that having a quarterback like Cousins and, and watching people like Fields play in the division around him, I have seen some Vikings fans kind of change their tune and be like, you know what, this is the guy we've got. Um, and, and people tend to do that. You know, you've noticed it over the last couple of seasons. Around mid-season, people are like, yeah, this is my quarterback, whatever. And then in the offseason, it all flares up again. Like, oh, we can't win with Kirk. You know, let's get rid of him. Um, and I guess we'll, we'll see again because we're playing a good Dallas team. Uh, we're not favored to win anyways, but they'll still probably find a way to blame a loss if it happens on a Sunday night football primetime game. They're to push the narrative against Kirk. But he's looked good this season, and he's looked smart. He doesn't have a lot of dumb turnovers like sometimes he has in the past. Um, he's been a lot more efficient this year. Um, so I, I would go stock up on Cousins because I think he's going to be our best chance to beat this Cowboys team. The Cowboys team, their defense, it's not that good. They have a, they, Their defense is good because they generate a lot of turnovers. Now, granted, they do force teams into making bad decisions and, and getting turnovers. Uh, but I think if Cousins can be efficient and not turn the ball over kind of like he has – Early in the season, that gives us the best chance to beat the Cowboys. Well, and keep in mind, too, turnovers are a stat that's just very... It's I don't know what the right way to... Fluky might be the right way to word it. Then it doesn't mean that corners don't do a good job or that Trayvon Diggs isn't having an amazing season. But, I mean, seven turnovers, interceptions, or whatever at this point in the year, there's no way you can replicate that. I remember the Vikings in 2019, they led the league in turnovers, and the next year they couldn't generate it. So, I mean, that's... There's no way to predict it. It's just kind of a fluky stat that just kind of happens. So, yeah, the Cowboy defense, their pass rush is good. Yeah, I think their secondary can be exploited if, and this is always the big question, if the Vikings can give uh, Kirk enough time. My stock up is going to be DJ Wanham, Everson Griffin, and that young uh, defensive end core. But especially, I'm going to go DJ Wanham on this one. The Stephen Weatherly trade, who you brought in as kind of a stopgap, a veteran option, just to make sure that you had some guy with experience to kind of plug up that edge rusher spot outside of Daniil Hunter. But uh, Stephen Weatherly's gone, got traded to uh, Denver. And and ladies, find you somebody who loves you as much as Rick Spielman loves seventh-round picks because he just got two more added to his arsenal that he's going to load up for the next couple of years. So uh, DJ Wanham, I go my stock up. He gets a few snaps. Everson Griffin's probably going to take up more of them. But it opens the door for a DJ Wanham. It opens the door for a Patrick Jones. And just some of those other kind of young uh, young defensive linemen who now are going to get an opportunity for some more snaps. Yeah, I agree. I, I thought it was, uh, you know, I haven't gotten to watch as many Vikings games this year as maybe I would hope to have. Um, or as much of them. You know, I might have been at work to start the day and then I get home and watch the second half. Um, but seeing Weatherly move for a couple second round picks, or uh, seventh round um, picks, uh, like you said, Spielman loves those picks. But um, DJ Warren, I think that's a good stock up. He's going to have to step into that role. Uh, he's going to get, like you said, Everson Griffin, I think he's kind of been like rekindled here in Minnesota. Um, and he's playing really well this season. So he's probably going to get the majority of those snaps that were getting taken up. Um, but I like the, the second stock up for you. All right, and let's finish it off here with some negativity. Give me a stock down. Stock down. This one was tough to think about, um, but I'm going to preemptively say uh, head coach Mike Zimmer. 
Uh, now, I guess this could go either way, uh, but based off how the Vikings have played in the last two weeks and nearly blowing those games against Detroit and Carolina, um, who arguably have top or bottom 10 quarterbacks in the league, um, I wouldn't say arguably for Carolina, but with Goff, I would argue he's maybe not bottom 10. Um, if you do that against the next four teams we're about to play, it's probably not going to turn out quite as well for you. Um, when you're playing a team like Carolina, you can maybe get away with, you know, giving up in the fourth quarter, it seemed, or not. I don't, I don't even know what I was watching there. But, um, so I'm going to guess that this next four games are not going to go as well as we would hope based on what we've seen so far in the season. Um, obviously, he controls that. Well, the players control it. He controls it, whatever. But if they go, if they get through it, and they look great, and they win two games or three games, even um, obviously his job is maybe saved. But if he goes one and three, zero oh and four, the water's only going to get hotter underneath him. Um, so, like I said, a little bit preemptively, but off of a bye week, we can't really judge too many players uh, and, and say that they went stock down too too badly. Uh, but I would say Zimmer, uh, you better have. I know he does have thick skin, but hopefully, hopefully it's. It's really thick because these next four weeks might be tough. Yeah, it's probably the seat's probably going to get as hot as it's ever going to get by about the end of November for Mike Zimmer. And Zimmer's done a good enough job of dodging it before. the The seat was probably its hottest uh, either last season after the Falcons' loss or maybe a couple years ago going into that playoff game against New Orleans, where there was a lot of talk where if uh, Zimmer doesn't win this game, Stefanski probably gets elevated to be the head coach and Zimmer gets his doors packed. And if he doesn't, uh, you know, slay the New Orleans Saints in that playoff game and uh, come away with a, a really good defensive game plan to do it and just kind of brush that off for a little bit. But this is, and I've been saying for a while now, I think that this is Zimmer's last year. Even if the Vikings do make the playoffs and they're kind of like a Chicago Bears last year, they're about a 500 team that scoots in on the seventh wild card or the seventh uh, seed in that third wild card spot, and their prize is getting a trip to Lambeau to get beat by Green Bay. You know, the, and it's not that close of a game. Like it's not a blowout, but it's not that close. I still think Zimmer's job is uh is basically done at this point, just because I think the team is kind of stuck, kind of like the the 2013 Eagles were with, uh, or 2012 maybe Eagles were with Andy Reid in the last year. They weren't bad teams. They were, they had talent on the roster and the head coach was a good head coach. It's just, it felt like everything was stuck and you just kind of needed to, to hit the reset button. And in a way it worked out for both teams because Philadelphia eventually, they had to go through the Chip Kelly experiment, but they got a ring eventually. And so did Kansas City in the long run. But yeah, I, I think Mike Zimmer is definitely going to see some trouble in the next, uh, month and change for sure my stock down and kind of already alluded to it with the pass defense but I'm just going to say the Vikings defense over the next five games just because of the gauntlet that they have and I think that the Vikings get a little bit of a break because of that rush defense uh they still you know they're going to be playing run defenses uh you know not this week with Dallas who has two good running backs in Pollard and Elliott but you face Eckler's been a good pass catcher for the Chargers, but I believe in rushing has been a little bit kind of lower. Uh, and in uh, and over in uh, Baltimore, Lamar Jackson is just the only piece of that offense that actually does anything except for uh, Rashad Bateman, I guess, who just got back from injury. So, I mean, there's a couple teams where they, they don't really run the ball a ton. You kind of bank off of it. But at the same time, those quarterbacks and the way your pass defense is looking and just 
everything that's going on with your team. Uh, it's going to be a tough few games for the Vikings defense, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens down the stretch. Yeah, like you said, the run defense has been the one thing, and, and uh, you brought up Eckler. I, I believe he was in like top five in rushing yards up until that Baltimore game. I think he ran for like seven rushing yards. Um, he did have more yards through the year, but uh, I mean, I love Eckler. He's never, he's never a guy that you think of as like, oh my gosh, he's an elite running back like Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, Zeke, um, but he is such a threat out of the backfield, so he's someone to watch. But yeah, like you said, um, the Cowboys have a two-headed attack that we're going to have to watch out for. And they've gotten back to it because that offensive line looks really good this year. They're healthy again, and um, it, it's kind of – they've leaned more on the run game. Zeke looks a lot better. Tony Pollard is averaging, like, some ridiculous over six yards a carry or something like that. Um, and, and that's going to be a really tough game for the Vikings defensively. They're going to have to try to keep up offensively probably if they want to win. Sounds good. That is our stock up, stock down here for the week. We're going to finish our Vikings talk with uh, just, Ian, just give me quickly one or two, kind of just whatever you can rattle off to beat the Dallas Cowboys. What are the Minnesota Vikings going to have to do? Well, like I said, uh, it's got to start with Cousins. He's got to play smart like he has all season. Um, if they can avoid turning the ball over, now again, you, you can kind of generate turnovers by rushing the passer and making him make a, a, a quick decision and maybe it's the wrong decision um, or maybe you rush the passer and you get the hand on the ball and that's something that Kirk has struggled with. The fumbles have been a big talking point. So if Kirk can be efficient with it, not turn the ball over, that's going to be huge because I think we can move the ball against this defense uh, if not for the turnovers. Um, and then, like, like you said, stopping the run game, um, it's not that Dak can't beat us by passing, but you've got to make it be Dak that beats us because if, they, if you let Zeke just run all over you and then you can open up the game for the play action and all that bootleg that, that Dak can do so well, uh, it's going to be really tough trying to slow them down at all. Um, and then, of course, you've got the primetime Halloween. It's going to be a fun night, though. I, I, I am looking forward to it. Halloween night, just sit back and maybe hand out some candy to some kids and football. Yeah, exactly. And and I think the Vikings and Cowboys have given us a couple uh they've given us a couple of good games so far in the last few times that they've played. Uh, despite I'm forget, I'm not counting last season, but uh, even that was a close game. But last season uh, in 2019, I should say, uh that sun, there was a Sunday night game against the Cowboys in Dallas. The Vikings got the win at the time the Cowboys had a winning record. I don't believe they finished the season with a winning record, so that kind of I don't know how that skews the stat, by the way. That's a, People like to bring up that stat with Kirk Cousins that hasn't, you know, the winning record thing and the Vikings and Zimmer with the winning records over the last three years. I don't know how they quite articulate that stat, if it's the team had a winning record at the time or they finished with a winning record. I think it goes either way. I've seen it done where, where they make sure that they say, and it's more about Rodgers, I believe, when it comes to at the end of the season, the 500 teams. But I think when the Cousins stack comes up, it is at the time that they play that team. Then at the time, it was a big win for the Vikings because they got a win against a winning team. And this is another opportunity for them to do just that. But it kind of turned the Vikings season around in 2019. It was a team that rattled off some games and they were like, okay, yeah, they got a lot of wins, but they're really against kind of bad teams. And how do they look when they play the really good teams? And then they uh, came out against Dallas, who was expected to win the division and they ended up they didn't end up winning the division that year I believe but uh they end up they end up just 
winning that game. And then that turns the whole season around. And it was like, okay, well, the Vikings went in in prime time to a hostile environment in Dallas and won a game on the road that was close, went down to the final possession. And it kind of just changed the feel. And if the Vikings want to change their outlook on the season, everybody's picking Dallas to win the Super Bowl in the national media because it's Dallas. So, I mean, if the Vikings can go in at home, make a statement win against the Cowboys, I think they can do it. And like you said, I think Kirk Cousins is going to have to be a big part of that. I think it's going to just be a shootout. I think it's just going to be – and I think if you're the Vikings, that's the only way you win this game. I don't think Dallas wants a shootout, but I think the Vikings, weirdly enough, Zimmer probably isn't hoping for it, but I think the best way to win is probably a shootout. And for that to happen, you have to lean into Kirk Cousins and lean into the passing game. I'm not the first one who's kind of coined the term lean into Kirk, but I am going to say lean into being a passing offense. Because you've seen when the Vikings have done that, they've been successful. When the Vikings have just kind of thrown their conventional game plan out the window in terms of making sure we get Dalvin enough touches, and and don't get me wrong, Dalvin needs to get touches, but at the same time, if your passing offense is just slaying it down the field and you get Dalvin Cook involved in the screen passing game, I don't see why we have to arbitrarily make sure that Dalvin gets a run on first and 10. I know it's probably more for clock management purposes and just making sure that you don't gas your own guys out in the first half. But I think if the Vikings want to win this game against Dallas, like you said, Dallas's secondary outside of Trayvon Diggs going to be ripe for the picking. So I think that this is going to be how they're going to have to win this game. You're going to have to expect a monster game from Kirk. Hasn't always been what the Vikings rely on to get wins, but against Dallas and against some of these better teams. And if you want to make a deep postseason run, by the way, you're going to have to trust your quarterback at some point. Yeah, trusting the quarterback is, is a big thing. Um, and, and you've got to be, be able to, you know, if you've got a big big situation, uh, fourth down and two at the 36-yard line, you don't really want to kick a field goal. It's a big spot in the game. Do you trust your offense to go get it? Uh, you gotta, like you said, this is gonna be such a big game. It's if we win, uh, the Vikings win this game, it could really turn the tide on the season. It really turns the narrative um, on what's so far been, I would say, a, a subpar season. You know, maybe that Arizona game goes a little differently, and we're looking at four and two with the win over one of the best teams in the league, saying, "Hey, I mean, we're not doing that bad. We can we can hang with Dallas uh, or or the Chargers." So it's going to be a big game for the rest of the season in terms of what the narrative is going to be. Um, if we can pick off one or two of these games in the next couple of weeks to really turn the turn the tide of the national media and most, mostly like fans in general. Yeah, and uh, speaking of another uh, Kirk Cousins, Mike Zimmer related thing, have you seen the picture? You know, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago against the Lions, Lions game. After that, where it looked like. The celebration between Zimmer and Cousins was so awkward that they were about that it looked like they were about to fight in the parking lot or something. And then after the Panthers game, there's that picture that emerges after the game, and Cousins tweets it out and says, "You like that?" or something like that. With uh, with Zimmer and Cousins embracing each other in the locker room, like you know, they're all like they're buddy buddy, they're like hugging or like chest bumping or whatever it is. Do you think that Zimmer and Cousins are actually becoming closer over this time? Do you think that they're actually you know, like they're actually forming some kind of weird bond, or do you think that it's just they won a couple of games and they're feeling pretty good, so they're kind of feeling better about each other? I would lean towards the latter. I mean, this is Cousins' fourth season uh, in Minnesota, and I, I would 
struggle to believe that this season uh, of any of them that's probably not gone as well as they would have hoped would be one to bring the coach and quarterback that have so far seemed to be not on exactly the same page closer together. Uh, so I would lean towards that second one where you got a two-game win streak going and you're, you're your spirits are up, uh, especially after a highly emotional win like that in overtime on a really nice pass play to uh, KJ Osborne. Yeah, I I would think it's probably the latter too, but I'll 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 humor the uh, I'll humor the other side and say that you know it's Zimmer and Cousins haven't gotten off on the best foot, and not that they don't like each other, but just that it's a very professional relationship, and when you see the best head coach and quarterback combinations, it's the ones that really. You know, even Belichick and Brady hated each other towards the end, but they still came in, they still watched film, they still put in the work. Zimmer, after, like you said, year four with Kirk Cousins, finally decided, you know what would be a good idea? And Cousins, too, a little bit, but I'm going to put him more on the head coach in this situation, said, you know, why don't I watch film with my quarterback? Maybe that's good with me as the head coach to watch film of the most important person on my team and the most highly paid person why don't I make sure that we're going over what we like in this game plan like you know I think and that's kind of a dig but at the same time I think that there is a bit of you spend more time together you grow a little bit closer and I think maybe kind of I think more I not as much Mike Zimmer I think Kirk Cousins maybe has come more to terms with where he's at and kind of just what his career trajectory is and he's no longer trying to be Captain Kirk that's leading a team on a Super Bowl charge and oh my gosh you have the weight of the world on your shoulders. He's kind of like in that was Washington days where he's like, I'm going to go play my thing. My team's about 500. And you know what? I'm going to come in and do my thing. And that's not an indictment on Kirk. That's just, I think he feels more comfortable. And I think he's more comfortable to go to the head coach and shake him after a win. And I think Zimmer is a little more on the other side of, we just won the last couple games. My quarterback just threw a dime. He's playing well. Sure. I'll, I'll be a little buddy, buddy with him. But I think that, I think it's they've always just been the strangest quarterback and coach combination that have been relatively successful in the NFL. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, um, the expectations on Kirk have kind of changed over the last two, three years from, okay, he was brought in here and he was supposed to be the missing piece that got them over the hump, and to now missing the playoffs two of the last three seasons. Uh, and you're kind of saying, okay, well, I guess he's not probably the guy that's going to get him there. But So the expectations are probably a little bit lower, and that probably makes it easier on the guy um, to, to let loose with his head coach. And like you said, you know, give him a little razzing on the sidelines um, after, after a win like that. And I kind of thought maybe that Kirk was saying, hey, look what happens when you put the ball in my hands. I can go. 45 yards in 20 seconds and get us that game winning field goal, man. You got to trust me more often. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I don't think Kirk will ever say that like to his face, but yeah, it's those things like that where he gets really excited and he'll probably, you know, like jokingly say it to Zimmer after the game. Like, you got to give me the ball more because I, I don't know, Kirk Cousins, I feel like he's a nice guy. I think a lot of teammates like him. I don't think he's, you know, I don't think, you know, maybe his leadership isn't what it should be, but I don't think he's a bad leader. I just think he's, He's a dude who's very awkward. I think that that's the best way to describe Kirk Cousins. He's awkward and he's kind of dorky. And I think that's just been him. And I think Dalvin Cook and I think Adam Thielen, I think even Diggs when he was here, I think those guys kind of find it endearing a little bit. And I think that's Kirk Cousins' biggest, as much, as weird as it is, Kirk Cousins' best and worst attribute is his dorkiness. I agree. I, I Like you said, the leadership might not, he's not going to be the guy that gets up and 
stands on the table and is rallying the troops. But I think his leadership is good enough for this team. Um, but but it's definitely, you know, he's he's a laid-back guy. He's never a guy that's going to get in your face about anything. So that's why I was a little shocked to have seen what he did to Zimmer after that Lions game. <laughs> I was like, oh, am I am I watching a fight on national TV? Like, what is what's going on here? So yeah, it's a it's been a it's been a weird ride. It's been a very weird team this year. But let's finish off uh, the podcast here with a little bit of wild notes since uh, the season has begun for them. And the loss last night, what kind of you know, obviously not what you want to do, giving up three goals in the first period. You have your backup goalie in, but that kind of leads me to my first question here is should the Wild be worried about Capo as the backup goalie, or is this just kind of first night of the season, kind of have to get the clunker out of the way? I think it's kind of a first night of the season for Capo, getting the clunker out of the way. Like you said, I mean, he's got – this was his first his first game playing in front of any sort of crowd in the NHL. You know, or maybe not. I don't know how many games he played towards the end of the season when the Wild started letting like 3,000 people in or whatever it was. But it still wasn't the same as getting a – uh, a, a packed house um, uh, in that type of atmosphere as it was last, yesterday afternoon. Um, and, and you know what? Nashville's not a great team. These things are going to happen. You're going to have some losses. We lost to, you know, Anaheim a couple times last year in San Jose when we probably shouldn't have. You know, we were clearly the better team. We just didn't show up. And, you know, we had a, we had a couple games there in the all of our wins have been one-goal wins so far this season, and two of them, the last two, are coming in overtime. Um, so I, I think we're still doing fine, and I wouldn't worry too much about Kakinen. Um, it's just a one-game thing. If he starts to do this on a regular basis where we're like, okay, you know, you gave up five this game, and this was four, and oh, this was only two, but oh, there's another four, then you got to be a little bit worried about it. But it was his first start of the season. Um, I wouldn't be too 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 worried about it. I think he's still he's still a pretty solid backup goaltender. All right, and you know, looking at uh, the Wild so far this season, they've had a couple of good games. They've had some good performances. Uh, Joel Erickson Ekman, one of them, who's had a really good start to the season. But you know, Kaprizov so far, and I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty. But you know, just how would you rate his season so far? Uh, would you rate it good? Would you rate it bad? Would you kind of say like? It's just the first five games of the year, or are you kind of saying like I want a little bit more out of you so far this season? Um, I think he's been good. I wouldn't say uh, he's been elite. Uh, maybe not even worth the nine mil a year on average yet. But then, like, and it's only five games into the year, so I'm not going to be too worried about it. Um, he's he had that game against I believe it was Winnipeg where he got three assists. Uh, he had an assist against the Kings. He looked really well in that game. And so he, he's still doing good things for the Wild. He hasn't shown up on the goal sheet yet, I don't believe, this season. Um, no, he got. I think he got one goal because he got it against that uh, the goalie for the Kings. I'm blanking on his name. But uh, Bally Sports LA played a video of them talking about Kaprizov, and the goalie said uh, – he basically said Kaprizov was overpaid on a 60-game season. And then uh, later in the game, Kaprizov either scored the go-ahead or scored like the second goal of the game on. Yeah. So, so yeah. But he, but so he hasn't come in. He's not going to be this forty-goal-a-year guy like Austin Matthews is uh, out in Toronto. But um, yeah, I, I think that um, definitely um, he he can be a guy. It's don't 
get too worried about the fact that he might not have been on the goal sheet or, or, or whatever, because he's still creating opportunities. He's getting the assists, and we're pretty early into the season. You know, this is his first taste of playing in a, a packed NHL stadium as well. Um, so give him a little bit more time to grow into it. I think he's still going to be a really good player for this team. And keep in mind, too, he's also playing teams like Winnipeg, teams like Nashville for the first time in his career. So he's seen a lot of Anaheim, seen a lot of L.A., seen a lot of Arizona, Vegas, but hasn't seen two-thirds of the league. So it's going to be uh, something also to watch is how he reacts to playing against uh, the rest of the NHL. But uh, I guess what have been, uh, we'll finish it up here, what have been some of your other observations from the Wild through the first five games of the season? Well, I think defensively, um, they're playing a lot better than I thought they would have. Um, I guess early in the season they did. I guess we're still early in the season. The game against the Ducks, I think we gave up a couple of really ugly goals. And the Jets are a high-powered offensive team. Kyle Connor went absolutely berserk in that game. And then the nice comeback. Um, but they're showing us a lot of the same stuff they showed last season. They got down to the Ducks early. They came back in that game. They got down to the Jets. They came back in the third period of that game. They're showing the resilience that they've had in season. That they've lacked, you know, the couple seasons before the last one. But they are showing us the same type of good things um, that they showed us last season. And I think my projection for this team was they're kind of going to be another team. They're going to be mid middle of the Western Conference. Um, they'll probably be competing for um, for the Central Division title late in the season, but um, they probably won't win it, I would guess. Um, but I, I still think – I think this team's expectations right now, Colorado is going to get it figured out. Um, they've, got, they've had a tough start to the season, and I don't think Nashville is going to look as bad as they've looked early. Uh, obviously, they got a turnaround against us yesterday, but I think it's going to be – we'll probably be a top three team in the Central. I don't think we'll be a wild card team. Um, but I, I do think I like I like the way the Wild have looked to start the season off. Yeah, we've got a couple of overtime wins, and maybe you want to win some games, some more games in, in regulation. But two points is two points, and uh, currently sitting in second place in the Central uh, Division, I, I like the start to the season. Yeah, I think the start of the season has definitely surprised me. Like you said, the defensive effort has been really good, something I thought thought they'd be a little bit slower because they brought in a lot of veterans to kind of replace that suitor and uh, losing guys like Ian Cole and kind of some of those guys from last season. But uh, one other thing, and you kind of touched on it a little bit too, is their resilience. And just and I've talked about this a lot last week, and I don't want to hammer it home too much, but uh, – just the locker room culture that Gurren, Evison, and all that they're trying to develop, getting rid of guys like Suter and Parisi. I know the Pioneer Press did a, a long article kind of talking about uh, kind of talking about the uh, the changing of the guard in terms of culture with Spurgeon and those guys kind of taking the front. And one of the things I don't think it was Spurgeon, it might have been Felino. I can't remember who uh, who said it, but basically it was like, we want it to be a transparent, open locker room. He's like, we don't want to have this kind of tears or kind of like this. I, the best way to describe it is clicky. So he's basically like anybody can go to anybody and there's not these guys. So it's like, you don't talk to, you don't mess with, you don't do whatever. And just kind of, I think that that's huge for this team. And I think it just kind of is an indictment. I don't think it was a direct jab at the Parisi suitor guard, but I think it was just kind of a subtle saying that didn't work and it kind of has to change. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I, 
you touched on Dean Evison. Ever since he's taken over, I really like the culture that's been building here in Minnesota. You know, we used to get down in a game, and you're like, well, I mean, there's no way this team is going to be able to rally. There was a couple times, especially at the end of last season, in big spots against teams like Vegas, where we came back from two goals down in the third period, ended up winning in regulation. And, and that stuff, that type of thing, I had not seen for a long time from a wild team. And I think we're going to see more of that again this year. Obviously, your expectations can change over the course of the season. We've seen that from the Vikings over the first month and a half um, of the year. Uh, but um, we've got a, a decent slate of games coming up. We're still trying to figure out who's the best teams. And, you know, okay, was that actually a quality win? Was it not? But tomorrow night, 9 p.m., decent Vancouver team. Don, really, I, I really am high on the, on the Canucks this season. I think they have a good offensive talent. Um, so far, they're 3-2-1 on the season. But um, it, it's going to be good. I think the Wild have got a good core of players, um, and they should be able to repeat most of the success they had last season. Yeah, Everson. Also, uh, a huge part of the Wild is being down three-one against Vegas, and that uh, in the first round of the playoffs last year, and taking them to Game Seven, even though they didn't win. Just the fact that most Wild teams of the last few years would have just three down three-one. All right, pack it up. We're done. Let's go home. Let's try for next year. They end up taking it to Game Seven and giving Wild fans that hope that this team is going to compete. Just give them a couple of years to kind of cycle through some of those new young guys that they have going there. All right. Quick uh, quick answer here from you since we uh, didn't get it in the Vikings segment. What's the score of the Vikings game on Sunday? Who wins? Ooh, um, it's, it's in U.S. Bank Stadium, correct? Yep. Okay, so we have the home field advantage. I think the fans will be a little bit raucous. Oh, that's tough. I, I think I've still got to give the edge to the Cowboys. They've looked really good. Dak, Dak has looked really solid, and I don't trust the secondary um, – to do what I think they need to do to stop the Cowboys' offense. So I'm going to go Cowboys in probably a little bit of a high-scoring matchup. I'm going to go 34-28. All right. I am also going to think that – I'm also going to go with the Cowboys on this one. But, yeah, like you said, I think it's going to be close. I'm going to go 34-31. I'm going to say that it comes down – not that it comes down to a last-second field goal, but that it ends up being a field goal game. So I'm going to go – 34-31 34-31 Cowboys win. But I do think there's, I think out of all the next four games, I think the Dallas win is probably one of the more winnable ones um, over this next stretch. So we'll have to see how that turns out. But all right, thank you, Ian, for uh, joining the podcast. Always uh, fun to have you uh, come back on and um, give out some Vikings and Wild takes. Yeah, happy to be here. Uh, trying to make as many appearances as I can. All right. You're listening to the Minnesota Sports Podcast. We'll talk to you tomorrow.